Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio. All power to oppressed people, African power to an African people, black power. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party, coming to you again on a uh, What's On Your Mind Monday. Just bring it to where we, you know, where we discuss, open it up. And like I always say, remember, keep in mind, brothers and sisters, this is your radio program. It's an opportunity for you to share with us your ideas, what's going on with you, and even comment on some of the things that we talk about. This show, this time what we're talking about today is the obstacles to unity. The obstacles to unity. For the brothers and sisters that have been keeping up with the posts and the Facebook posts and everything that's been going on, we know that a lot of Panther formations are calling for unification. At the very least, they're calling us to start to work together again in conjunction, um, facing with the presidency of Donald Trump, recrimination and, and racism and outright bigotry and hatred and um, what I would classify as Islamophobia, even though they say that it's not directed towards a Muslim, but we're talking about this ban that's going on. We can only imagine who the next people are going to be that he targets and what he's going to use to target them with. So uh, Dr. Shabazz, Dr. Malik Zulu Shabazz had taken the initiative to call for the unification of panther formations. Now, what does this unification mean? I think a lot of people are taking that and running with it, some for good, some out of fear. It doesn't mean, after talking with Dr. Shabazz and Chairperson Crystal Muhammad today, and a little later, preferably, I'll be able to get on their radio program and to um, share some of my concerns and opinions with them. But after talking with them today, it doesn't mean necessarily that um, we're going to come fall under one banner, that we're, going, we're, we're, we're all saying we all have agreed to come under this one leadership. This is not what this is saying. What Dr. Shabazz is saying is that let us open an honest, sincere dialogue with one another. Let's find out with what some of the problems are that we're facing and why we're having these issues that we're having. And I, I think that is what he's saying, and I think that that is a good first step, that we have to get to the bottom of it. And then we have to, so when this started to circulate, when this started to become the sentiment, not just with Dr. Shabazz, but all around, when this started to become the thing, and you found a lot of people, we started to find a lot of people that begin to have opposition to it. A lot of their concerns are very legitimate. I mean, listening to the people that I've talked to, they're very legitimate concerns. Then in some of them, some of the concerns that I've seen and some of the blatant attacks that have occurred behind this makes me wonder and question what is the opposition to unifying? Why do these particular individuals and these groups have such a problem with unifying? Why are they coming out with these blatant attacks? 
And I'm not talking about, like I said, the brothers and sisters that have legitimate issues, but brothers and sisters who, from just what, what, when you look at it on the surface level, would appear to be, and this is just my opinion, of course, would appear to be that they feel that their positions of authority are jeopardized. Why? Because when we start talking about unifying, and we're talking about unifying, we're talking about nation building, then you start to talk about legislation, you start to talk about policies, you start to talk about rules, that the various formations and factions and parties would all agree to adhere to. And then there could no longer be a warlordism or tribalism in the African community, and some of these um, parties wouldn't be able to run amok that they will be held to some accountability, that they, that they would have to answer to the, to the rest of the party for their actions, for their speech, for their, if they are people that mislead the people, for their misleading the people, the abuse of the people. Some of the same, some of these people you find are just as exploitive as this oppressive system that we live in, and they don't want that accountability that we've fallen into the thing of cultism, clickism, that we've become so um, that our camaraderie and our friendship and our solidarity isn't based on, our solidarity isn't based on a, 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 a yearning or a desire to do the right thing, but that is based on friendships. And homeboyism, and these are some of the things that we have to look at. Some of these, these these very real things, and this is why we have these obstacles that we're facing. What can be the unifying factor? What can we use to start to bring us together again? To start to build, where well, we start to build on one accord, where our minds and our hearts are in the right place, and why the obstacles? You know, so these are these are just some of the things that we're going to touch on and talk about today. Again, this is the People's Black Panther Party Radio with your host, Chairman Yang and Krumah. Our lines, you know the you know the you know the spiel. If you want to talk, if you want to address, press one, and we'll open up your mics. We'll allow you to have your opinion and your comments. You can share with us. But let's talk about. Let's 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 go a little bit into this unity thing. You know, what does this unity look like? Like I said, we have to ask ourselves, what are we trying to what are we trying to accomplish? There are some very real concerns out there about it. Even myself, I have I have my concerns. You know, I I have a healthy dose of skepticism. I'm not so quick to want to just jump back into the very thing that caused these divides and caused these, I won't even say divides, but caused us to evaluate what was going on and saying, hey, listen, a group of us believe that these goals and these aims can be achieved by this measure and these methods, and so we decided to go this way and to um, ride under this particular central, I follow this particular leadership. So I'm not even going to say that we're divided because that gives the impression that we're divided in what we're trying to accomplish. And I, I sincerely don't feel that that's the case. But a lot of the methods aren't there. And for me, a lot of the accountability 
There was no one really taking accountability. We say organization. We say that we're committed to this. But everything, but when you're committed to it, especially speaking from a Panther position, that there are rules and regulations that shouldn't be for the sake of the integrity of the party, that these rules and regulations shouldn't be circumvented. But this is exactly what you find happening. The rules and regulations are being circumvented. People are relying on uh, those that they know to overlook or turn a blind eye. And this is never good when you're trying to encourage the masses of the people to start to do for self because this is what has plagued us as African people for so long. We have been, even if it isn't true, we think we have put in the air that niggas can't come together. We can't work together. We can't stick together that we are self-serving people, not self-serving as the masses of people, but literally self-serving, me over everyone else. Whether it's true or not, this is one of the things that have been attached to us as African people. So when we don't start to revolutionize ourselves, we become a hindrance and an obstacle to unity. They say, Brother Yanga, what does revolutionizing yourself mean? Revolutionizing yourself from religious language, it just would be the equivalent of the Christians becoming saved or baptized or the Muslim taking his shahada, that the old you, the nigger you, that nigger that resides in each and every one of us, you see. And it does, it does. I know we don't like to admit it. Some of us have, for the most part, have been able to tame that Negro in us, tame that nigger in us. Make that nigga subjective to the revolutionary that we've cultivated, that revolutionary character that we've cultivated. But a nigga has been branded, a nigga has been molded, a nigga has been taught because niggas are made. There's no place, there's no such place as nigga land. So niggas are made. So this nigga mentality has been encouraged and promoted by the very things in our society. These are some of the hindrances to unity from the foods we eat to the programs we watch, music we listen to, to our interaction, our social interactions with one another, we have been encouraged to be niggerish. We have been encouraged to be niggerish. So the revolutionary is cognizant, cognizant of this very fact. It isn't downplaying or putting themselves down. It's just that they realize they have to be the revolutionary, realize that they have to be realistic. See, before there can be any outwardly unity, before there can be unity amongst the formations and amongst the fashions, there must be a unity of person. You have to be unified within yourself. You have to be at peace. You have to be one with yourself. You can't live a life that is contradictory to life. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I mean by that, that is that if, the very nature of everything is self-preservation. The very nature of every living organism is self-preservation. It's the continuation of its species. This is natural. This is a natural thing. And the revolutionary is, a, is, is natural because the revolutionary is an evolutionary. The revolutionary is one who believes in evolution, the natural evolving of things. So if the first natural law of life is self-preservation and continuation and uh, um, propagation to, to, to recreate itself, the continuation of its species, 
then we have to look at how divided we are in the self because we do things that are contradictory to our very nature. The foods that we eat are destructive. The things that we watch on television or the music that we listen to is destructive psychologically and emotionally. The behavior that we have towards one another in a lot of times can be detrimental to ourselves if we run across the wrong brother or sister. But it's detrimental to the positive growth and empowerment and development of a community. And the community is where people live, so therefore it must be detrimental to the development and the positive growth of the people that inhabit or make up that community. So the first thing we have to do is look at is unifying the self and realize that being a nigger is a contradiction to being an African. Being a nigger is a contradiction to the natural state of the black man and the black woman here in America or wherever you find us globally. The nigger must die in us. This is the first obstacle to, to unity, this niggerism. The second obstacle is a lack of discipline, a lack of discipline. Learning how to discipline the mind so that it can study, it can learn what it must learn to put it back on its right course, to put it back on its moral compass, to stop judging according to Eurocentric morals and ethics. You see, this is what happens. This is why, and you find it. You find it. You find it in us. And this is not a knock on any religion. Those that know Chairman Yanger know that I don't knock religion. They know that I still hold to some Islamic principles and some Islamic tenets. I think that they're very good, a lot of them, for the discipline. But when we don't have a healthy sense of who we are, then we start to use other people's moral compass to judge ourselves. We see ourselves from the eyes and the cultural background of other people, and this is against our very nature. We wonder why in the Islamic community there's such a high divorce rate. Because your women are not Arab women. Brother, you are not an Arab. We haven't learned to separate and distinguish Islam from Arab culture. And the Arab has been so good at, 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 at his making sure that he continues, that he has used both of them synonymous, and he uses you as a pit bull. Why some of you Muslims are knocking niggas' head off before you address an Arab. We'll knock his head clean off his shoulders. We start to, when we start to use their, uh, use their culture and their way of life as a moral standard, as a compass to judge by. We do ourselves a disservice, therefore creating another obstacle to unity, lack of discipline, the lack of the ability to digest that which is in that which is from our true history that empowers us and betters us. We can't stand still. We don't we haven't learned to trust one another enough to take from one another. Our diets, we must understand this is the importance 
Uh, this is why last week I had their minister, their national minister of health on. I think this is very important to revolutionizing oneself is to understand health. And we must understand the diet that we have. These diets, these foods that we intake, understanding the makeup of the African man and woman, understanding that we suffer from hypertension and high blood pressure and every other thing, yet we indulge and overindulge and gorge ourselves, things that are not healthy. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not some health nut. I'm not going to sit here and say that uh, I'm some health nut with it. But at the same time, I understand that we must, that we must, uh, that we must eat properly. You see, that we must start doing things that benefit us and benefit our physical. I've opened up the lines to our National Minister of Culture, Manta Sanjata Kanta Kamara. Chief, your line is open. Well, yeah, Brother Chairman, I want to um, thank you. I want to uh, shout out to our minister, uh, Minister Malik. Uh, I don't know if he could get in because it was a cross phone. He's on the line, and that's our, our minister for uh, Almighty Vice Lord Society. And uh, he's a imam, he's a minister of the nation. And he's always giving me good counsel as well as yourself, so I want to shout out to him as well. But, you know, you're teaching the truth about, you know, unity and how imperative it is, and it's always, you know, ego. It's always about, you know, wanting to be out front, wanting to be seen, wanting to be heard. We really don't put the people, you know, first. And I was telling one of my young brothers today, I said, you know, we have a hatred for our own people. As I look at many of our leaders, you know, we hate ourselves because we really have been indoctrinated by the Caucasian to have self-hate. And if you listen to our dialogue, look at these niggas, these niggas ain't that, these niggas ain't that. You know, but the efforts that we made from all of our organizations, from Marcus Garvey, and I want you to understand what I'm saying very carefully, and I want everybody to really hear me well, from, from going back to Marcus Garvey, even going back to David Walker and, you know, uh, Bishop Manil Turner, all of the brothers and sisters who work from the Honorable Muhammad to Huey, you know, to even the efforts we're doing today, if you combine them and multiply them times 10, it still will only be a small fraction condition. You see what I'm saying? It's a systematic approach, as you were saying earlier, to make it a nigger. And it's going to take a systematic approach to getting us out of this condition. And we get angry. You know, one of my little brothers went to prison, and um, uh, he wasn't in our organization no more, and he became uh, homosexual. And everybody mad. Oh, man, I hate fags. Listen, and I'm, not, I'm no gay lover. I don't support a gay lifestyle. I'm against it in every sense of the word. But the homosexual... Is our people, and I understand if it wasn't for the goddamn cracker, we wouldn't be homosexuals. So I understand my love don't stop for my brother because he's sick, 
my love, I love the brother even though he's sick, and I still wouldn't deny him or turn my back on him because he's sick. This is a man who's sick with alcoholism or with heroin. I don't hate the heroin addict. I hate the cracker who produced the heroin addict. I don't hate my brother that's a homosexual or my sister that's a lesbian. I hate the cracker that made him a homosexual or lesbian. So my job is to love the victim, not those, not the one who's the victimized. So therefore, people don't understand unconditional love. My love ain't for a black man because he does what I want him to do. My love for him is no matter what he is, as America says, give us your tired, give us your poor, give us your weary. That's how I feel about black people. I love what we call niggas. I love niggas' dirty draws. And our job is those who are enlightened and trained and wake up the mentally dead and bring them to a ray of light. That's our job. So not to be judgmental because if it wasn't for the, the perils of what this white man has done, we wouldn't be the way we are. And, and, you don't want, and we don't want to look at that. We want to find every excuse to play grab ass with white folks, every excuse to not blame the white man. And, you know, you don't have nothing critical to say about a cracker, but you can criticize your people all day long. That's the problem. If we begin to love each other unconventionally and, and, and show love, man, for the brothers and sisters, we really, really won't have a problem. But our leaders have sold us out for mink coats, diamond rings, Bentleys, Rolls Royces, million-dollar homes, and a fat-ass bank account. They sold us out. They benefit from white supremacy, so they ain't really trying to get you out of white supremacy. And we don't focus on breaking the grasp of that and understand you can't reconcile. There ain't no reconciliation for them. There's no reconciliation. You can't reform him. You can't change him. He is what he is. He's the bastard of the face of the earth. He's a no good bastard, and you're not going to change this bastard. But the thing you can do is we got to unite and think about forming an independent nation. That's the goal. That's the aim. And we got to do it at every grassroots level. And one of the things that me and Brother Chairman, we work with the street organization. You know, the, the, the image out there on TV is, oh, my God, Johnny, don't be in a gang. A gang is bad, Johnny. The goddamn gang or so-called gang ain't bad. Again, it's the systems that got the gang or so-called organizations not knowing who their enemy is. If you're a crip, your enemy ain't a blood. If you're a blood, your enemy ain't the crip. If you're a vice lord, your enemy ain't the disciple. Be disciple, don't or the vice lord. Your enemy is this blonde head, hook nose, buttermilk complexion cracker in the system of white supremacy that you're living in. That's your enemy. That's who you got to face, and we don't realize that. It wasn't, it wasn't a so-called gang. It wasn't a crippled blood that murdered millions of our fathers in the middle passage. It wasn't a crippled blood that destroyed millions of Native Americans. It wasn't a crippled blood that dropped a, a bomb on Hiroshima and Nagasaki. That's what this cracker did. So if they can, if you can be proud to take your dumb ass and barbecue on the 4th of July and fly a red, white, and blue American flag and pop firecrackers and, and sing uh, God Bless America, then goddammit, a crip should be what's cracking, cuz. Vice Lord should be almighty, brother. GD should be B-O-S, GD. That's what they should be saying. But now let's change that and educate and enlighten the brothers in those organizations. That's what me and the brother chairman are doing. 
So this is what we have to realize. This is what we have to do. Brother Chad, I know you asked me to co-host. I want to uh, see if our brother Minister Malik would like to ask a conversation. Yes, sir. Brother Minister, if you're on the line, just press 1. We'll recognize you, and we'll open up your lines to, so you can get in this dialogue with us, brother. I think I think he's tied in somehow. Uh, you see a 501 number on there, 504, something like that? Let me, let me, no, uh, I don't see it yet. Let, let, yeah, let me let me uh, bring him in. I could, I think he's on. Let me bring him in. Hold on one second. But that's that's what we, that's what we have to realize. I, while the brothers bringing him in, I, I'll speak because we want to take heed to what uh, Mansa Sanjata is saying. Okay, I got I got I got, our, I got our minister. I got our minister on the line. I had to. He, he, he well somehow my phone dropped man and he was still listening I don't know how it happened because you know people got these phones tapped but we well, like we said it's our brother minister and like I was saying he also is in, embarked on the same work uh, this brother did twenty plus years in the penitentiary system he's come up with a, a program to uh, redirect the so-called ex-offender as I say and and create programs to enlighten them and. and He's working on building transitional houses and is a wonderful brother, man. And he's done, uh, and to come back and, you know, be positive after facing that much time in the belly of the beast, you know, I, I want to introduce our, our brother minister uh, for AVLS Incorporated, our brother minister Malik out of uh, Arkansas. Uh, brother minister, are you there? Yeah, 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 I'm here. Okay. Peace, peace and love to the brothers. Uh, I've been paying attention and listening and, uh, you know, it's it's this is my thought about it. I mean, conditionally, we have been lulled to sleep as a people. We have been lulled to sleep under the conditions that has been imposed upon us by the masses. I mean, we we're talking about white supremacy and a system that is designed to weaken the black structure. Male, female, and child, and that's what we're looking at. Prison is just an example to where you can look at the social condition of the people coming in. And the question I used to ask all the time is, what is the problem? And the problem is that our issues are all different, but they're all just alike. Now, as far as unification of a people, my thing is to wake them up and you're talking about waking up a mentality that has been stagnant and basically dead for centuries. And they're constantly being fed this dead mentality. And here we are on the battlefield trying to bring our people back to the light, out of darkness into light, out of chaos into order. But it seems like they're continuing to gravitate towards the dysfunction and the disorder. And that's my whole thing. What is the dysfunction, and how do we create a dysfunction in our people in order to get them to function on a orderly, black, Afrocentric, conscious mentality and behavior and love and desire for the upliftment and betterment of our people? How do we do that? I mean, that that's the question that is posed around the world. And right now we see that there's disorder, there's corruption, there's conflict, disagreements, division, I mean, you can go all the way down the line. That's in every organization that exists on the planet. 
And our job as revolutionaries is to change that. And the question still is, what do we do in our communities? What do we do as a social society? What do we do within organizations? How do we bring all of this dysfunction back to where it originally started as a proper function for every people to benefit from? How do we do that? that that's, a, that's a good question, Brother Minister, and I think that, that as, as Minister of Culture and the founder of St. Croix African Society, you know, and uh, – you know, I found ways to get the message out. You know, as a martial arts instructor, one of the things we have to do is disguise repetition. So if I want, if I want you know, I want a little, uh, my little student to do a master front snap kick, I can't just stand them in the mirror, do 50,000 front snap kicks. I got to find different ways to get him to repeat the technique. Let's kick up and down the floor. Let's kick the bag. Let's... You know what I'm saying? Let's kick. Let's go on in the pool and do kick in the pool because it gets repetitive. So one of the things we have to find a way to get the message out in many different forms through our music, through TV show. We gotta have, find creative ways to get it out there. Lessons, you know what I'm saying? Print ads, magazines to get the message out of loving thyself. And we don't know ourselves. This is the importance of culture. And and to everybody listening to me, you don't know who your African self is because you've been taught and emulated white folks. You speak their language, their clothes, eat their food, drink their drink, talk they talk, and you walk they walk. So if you know about Africa, and then when you do equate yourself with Africa, you think you're superior because you've been here with with your master. You haven't went back and tried to learn anything about where you come from, you're not built or designed to think like a Caucasian. This is why we hate school. Let me, let me give you a prime example, Brother Minister. In communication, I find myself, as I got older, to understand I, I have a gift, a gift of speech. But when I would write things down as a kid, I'm not meticulous in writing. I I miss periods. I miss commas. I miss this and that. That's why I was just telling Brother Chairman, because he proofread a, a text I sent out. You know what I'm saying? White people are, are, are linear. They don't flow. They don't have no rhythm. Black man is natural. This is why oral traditions in Africa is very important. The griot, the jeli. So when you when a little boy is right, he have a good idea. Beautiful idea. I mean... And he writes out there and get a teacher's paper. He's excited. And she comes out and says, well, you know what, Tommy? You misspelled this. Comma here, a colon mark. Okay, uh, you spelled that wrong. There's no L. It's silent. This is a deceptive cracker. Why in the hell are there silent letters if you're not deceptive? See, the cracker's motive is silent when they, when they lullaby your ass to sleep and kill you. So, therefore, we don't. We don't excel in that educational system. So in order for us to really get free, a cultural basis has to be in our makeup. This is why culture is so important. This is where you come from. You are a African. Now, whether you want to be, and don't, and, and, and don't nobody come tell me, oh, we're not African, it's African. Oh, shut the hell up. You know exactly what the hell I'm talking about. You are a African. 
you want to say Kemet, Nubian, whatever the hell you want to say, you are the original people. You're not white. You have to understand where you come from and begin to equate yourself with that in your nature. And when you understand your nature, then this white man will have no effect on you. But you don't know. Putting a daishiki on, not liking white folks is not going to get it. It has to be a love. And it has to be elders that correct us and sit down and help us count each other. You understand what I'm saying? That's why Africa is important. That's why culture, this is why our chairman asked that we have a cultural department. You understand what I'm saying? So, you know, with that, uh, Brother Chairman, um, yeah. do we have any other callers that would like to, like to add something to the conversation? Or, uh, you know? No, we just have them listening, you know, the callers listening in now. And I and I definitely, right. but I would definitely like to add 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 to that um, while I have this brief moment because we understand that the, there would be no revolution without a cultural revolution. That is the right. sum total of what the fight is about. Is about mm-hmm. your identity and what mm-hmm. we as the people. And this is why our cultural department, with our, our national minister of culture, Master Sanjata Kate Kamala, is super important. And the mm-hmm. and the the Panther Party is also dedicated to, along with our, our culture department, that being an aspect of it, is creating programs that will help mm-hmm. us with our day-to-day adjusting to an African consciousness. We understand mm-hmm. we're not going to sit here and sell you dreams. We're not going to sit here and, and romanticize any struggle. It's just that, a struggle. So we have to have the day-to-day programs that help us to realize to um to help us in this transformation to go to an African thing. Like I said, proper budgeting. You've heard me speak time and time again, brothers and sisters, on accountable spending. We spend one of the things you would you have to say, you have to acknowledge about our Jewish counterparts is that they just don't have a theology. But their theology, this judo this Judaism is tied into their ethnicity, to the way that they spend to the way that they mm-hmm. eat, to the way that they mm-hmm. interact with one another, then this is what we as African people have to do. Our revolution has to be all encompassing. There can't mm-hmm. be any stone up t- unturned. We have to really address every issue because this European, this colonizer, just didn't attack us on one front. He didn't just physically murder us and maim us, and, and he doesn't just physically intimidate us, but he comes at us through religion. He comes at us through our diet. He comes at us through our economics. He comes at us mm-hmm. through our social and cultural. So we have to have formations on every front combating this wave, combating this assault against the African, against the true nature of the black man and the black woman here. This is why when we study our 10-point platform, one of, the, one of my favorite ones, and I believe it's number seven, where it says that we want a true history, that te- a history an education that teaches us the true history of this decadent society. So what you understand historically, what you were brought here for, their intentions, purposes, and plans for you as a black people, what you understand historically how they, how they have treated every other people of color, the indigenous people that were here first, the Native Americans, how they treat the Hispanic population, how they treat every people of color, and how they show a divide and conquer in there from amongst the people of color. Once you understand this, then you begin to see their nefarious plot. 
you begin to understand their strategies and their tactics. And then you can start to develop a counter strategy. You can develop counter tactics. But if they have us in the mindset, if we don't do accountable spending, if our social and cultural is so depraved and so demoralized that we are just living day to day, that we're worried about our lights being turned off, that we're worried about what we're going to feed our children, that we're worried about our rent being paid and us being evicted and homeless in the street. If you're worried about your day-to-day, how can you possibly plan for the future? So then I the people have to begin to think about programs, self-sustaining programs, self-sufficiency. And the answer to that, brothers and sisters, in my estimation, in my opinion, has to be African communalism. It has to be an African-centered thinking and an African-centered way that will promote and encourage the empowerment and liberation of the people. There again, this is the People's New Black Panther Party, uh, the, the People's Black Panther Party, with your Chairman Yang and Kuma. We have our National uh, Minister of Culture, Mansa Sanjata, on, and we have Minister Malik on. Press one if you want to be recognized, and we'll open up your mics and talk. Chief, please take it away. Yeah, you know, uh, one of the things I want to say is that, you know, I'm in Chicago. You know, it's now labeled the murder capital. The biggest problem we have in Chicago, we got a foreign occupation of an Arab. An Arab, an Indian, you know what I'm saying? And they don't care about our community. And one of the things I think is detrimental is religion. We got to have religion and race first. You know, one of the biggest things that I think that the enemy was able to do, and I want you to follow us, and I want Minister Malik to expound on this, is that when Elijah Muhammad came with his program in the 30s, Mr. Malik, is that, is that your, your back, a little background noise in the back? Well, I think you may have someone's talking back, you can mute it and then come in after, you know, come in. But one of the things that the Elijah Muhammad had was a program, and the program appealed to wake the black man up. It wasn't the Holy Quran. It wasn't Arabic. It wasn't any of that. It was a message to the black man that if, what the hell? It, it, it was a message to the black man that appealed uh, to black people. It was a message to the black man that appealed to black people. And that message was do for self, that message was an economic program, and it, and it went well. It went very well from nineteen uh, the thirties up until nineteen seventy five. The moment he just he he passed on to the ancestors, that's when they were able to attack and appeal to you to embrace in a more Arabized religion. Now, it's no coincidence that Arabs are all in your neighborhood. And that's salam alaikum when you feel some kind of kindred spirit with this Arab. You see what I'm saying? That's not where it's at. If it ain't, and I'm going to say this and people get, if it ain't, I'm going to say it harshly. If it ain't appealing to the nature of the black man, awakening the black man, motherfucker religion. You understand what I'm saying? I'll say it again. If your religion is not going to empower you and, and address your sojourn in America, motherfuck a religion. 
any kind of holy book, they ain't going to address that, and it can't be applied to getting you out this condition. Take that shit and light it on fire and burn it up and get the fuck up out my face. That's what you have to understand. And that is the problem. And and, and when Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, spoke to the Arab, he had a message for the Arab. You understand what I'm saying? It was relevant to what they were going through that day. You see what I'm saying? So, you know, this is the problem. We got to get these bastards out of our community. Stop letting them feed off us. And they're bloodsuckers. That needs to be the nat. And if that would happen in Chicago, all the money that Hakeem, and the reason why you can't hate that motherfucker is you got the same name as he do. Hakeem, Omar, you sent, you just you just got the same names as these bastards. And you feel like they're your family. These motherfuckers ain't your family. You know what I'm saying? You got so get them bastards out of our community. Stop making Hakeem, Muhammad, you know what I'm saying, Abdullah rich. And take that black dollar and put it towards the black king and black Abdullah. Put that back in your family. Take that money. They they get they send their little Arab daughter. The same they submit they got that little they got that little Arab motherfucker wrapped up in the goddamn ninja outfit. You understand what I'm saying? You can't even look at that. You can't even look at that bra. But 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 they come in and got your sister, you know, and sister and tell them to shake her ass and and and, and disrespect them and you know and making out and making whores out of black women. But they got they got they, they got their Arab bra in the in the motherfucking ninja outfit, covered up. And you better not say nothing to her, or they'll allow whack by and blow your motherfucking ass up. Excuse me for sounding so much profanity, but that's what they'll do. So we got to get them out of our community. And we did that with that money that they're sending, is making, they're sending Hakima and little Omar to college and Harvard and all kind of shit. Take that money and put it back into building a community center. Take it back and put in programs that address black people. We'll be all right. And, and, and Chicago, we just did that. The money that everybody else is getting. I'm talking poo-poo from the Dunkin' Donuts, poo-poo at Dunkin' Donuts. So anybody ain't black, you stop spending with them motherfuckers, man. To, to, to Mr. Chan, Charlie Chan, and, and, and Mr. Kim that got the, got the uh, hair care store. You understand what I'm saying? If we did that, we would be, we'd be healed overnight. All you black women with your weed. And your hair care product. If you would stop spending with Mr. Kim, who don't care nothing about you, you see what I'm saying? They buying hella rice and egg rolls and kimchi off black dollars. If they would stop, if we would take that money and put it into programs that educate black women, then we'll be free overnight. We wouldn't have a problem, man, if we just did that. So instead of tea steaks and Bishop Eddie Long and Imam so-and-so talking all this religious bullshit, that should be the message in every church, every mosque, every synagogue. If you ain't got that message, mother, fuck you and your religion. And we need to kill you because you're misleading the people. That's what needs to happen. You don't want to talk about that. You 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 want to talk about God is going to... Pay your goddamn phone bill and pay your rent if you if you tied your ten percent. That's a bunch of bullshit doctrine, man. Or trying to get you to speak perfect Arabic and all that. That's a bunch of bullshit. Cause they ain't gonna do nothing for you. Your people don't speak no damn Arabic. 
any kind of God that I got to speak a foreign language, if someone understand me, fuck that God too. I can't speak the language that I've been a slave 400 years, brought here in shackles against my will, and I got to learn an Arab language that, that, that they were the first to enslave me. They took me from Africa. They made me a slave first. Then the white man came and made me a slave. And now you tell me, the only way God going to understand me, I got to speak his language. Fuck that God, if that God can't, can't understand me and do nothing for me right now. That's how I feel. So if we stop focusing on that, man, and, and it's no assault to the Muslims, because I, I respect our African Muslims. I'm, I'm a Mandinka, and the Mandinka are Muslims, but I'm just saying you got a misperception of what the prophet didn't even teach like that. They they took Arab nationalists and made you want to be an Arab. That man respected black people because he understood that the black man was the original man. He understood the black man was a master. He was the student. This is why you kiss a black stone. This is why he said to that that, that Bilal would make it in the paradise for him because he was clean. And Arabs are some filthy motherfuckers, man. Clean them up. He understood that. You understand what I'm saying? So this is what I'm saying to you. You have to. You know, you have to get back to embracing your Africanity, and we got to clean this. We just would focus on that. Chicago, it you don't need no National Guard because you could put programs, and if we did need a guard, we could take the money that you're giving to Mr. Kim, to, to Akeem and Abdullah and Poo from India with the dot on his goddamn head. You see what I'm saying? You took that money and, 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 and the Vietnamese hairstylists, the Viet Cong in here with the, with their nail salons. You take that money and stop giving it to the Viet Cong. Take stop giving it to all these people, and you could put, pay a, a security force to come in and, can, and control your community. That will give brothers jobs. BDs, vice lords. I mean, BDs, vice lords, breed who understand the condition. They can stop the shit, and then take that money and build programs. Anything else is just stupidity. They got to go. They got to go. If they're going to be a partner, they need to give. They're going to be in our community. They better be giving a large percentage of what they make to our community. They better hire. You know, we don't even need you. We don't need you here, period. Go back to Vietnam. Go back to India. Go back to fucking Palestine or wherever the fuck you come from. We don't need you in our community. We don't need y'all. We have no use for you. Because you hadn't done justice by us, we don't need you. And this has to be taught. A non-compromising stand and, a, and an attitude black people got to have, fuck everybody else, and let's deal with the black problem to be the agenda. Fuck with the Palestinians. I don't give a fuck what the Palestinians are going through. I don't give a fuck. I don't care what the Viet Cong is going through over there in Vietnam. I don't care. I don't care what North Korea is doing. I care about Africa and black people. That is what I care about. And then we get in a position... You know what I'm saying? That we, we have out we out this condition, then you can cry goddamn crackers out of tears about how bad the Jews are doing the Palestinians. Other than that, you ain't got time for that. Say your tears for our children dying right here in America. Say your tears when, when I had to go to a funeral this past uh Friday when a twenty three year old boy was gunned down four houses down from me. Say your tears for that. Say your tears for our dysfunctional families. 
when our women don't respect us. Say your tears for that. You ain't got time to cry no goddamn crocodile tears for no damn Arab. You ain't got no time to cry no goddamn crocodile tears for nobody else what they're going through. You got pain. You suffering. You at the bottom of the, the... Nobody wants to be a nigga. Nobody wants to be around niggas. And you've been made a nigga by white supremacy. You ain't got no goddamn crocodile tears for no damn crackers and no Jews and nobody else. You got to have a program for yourself. Brother Chairman, am I, I'm, I'm probably in trouble. I'm about, they about to kick me out. I'm about to get kicked out. Oh, I'm about to get. I'm about to, I probably got Texas. The Muslims is mad, man. I'm about to get. I'm about to get. I'm about to get. Some, I'm about to. Get Huh? That's some that's I, that's, I, that's some truth to what you're saying, man. Continue with your show, and I and I really appreciate because you know we're handling a lot of business and doing a lot of things. Um, ask you questions if you like to uh, a common opinion. If you disagree, our lines are open. Remember, brothers and sisters, this is your radio program. It's your opportunity to speak, to voice your opinion, right. to have something to say. But right now, we're letting our, our honorable chief, Mansa Sanjata Keita Kamara. National um, Minister of Culture of the People's Black Panther Party, visionary founder of St. Croix Advocate Society, and the chief, my chief of the Almighty Vice Lord Society, um, speaking on and speaking on the need and importance for culture. Because without this culture, we're talking about obstacles to unity. Without a strong, healthy identity, an identity empowering identity, an identity of liberation, an identity that yearns and cries and begs out for freedom, then you are you're not unified within yourself. So I would remind the brothers and sisters to take heed and press one if you like to come in and have anything to say. Chief, please continue. All right. Yeah, I mean, well, I hope I ain't in trouble. Am I, am I, I probably, I know Justice, you probably got some complaints, but it's real, man. No, you, it's, it's real. We'll be hollering if you, you know me, man. I'll be on here hollering if, <laughs> if you're in trouble. I'm, not, I'm, just, I'm just saying, it, it, it's a real situation, man. We got a foreign occupation where, you know, billions of dollars are going outside our community. You know what I'm saying? It's not coming back to us. Yeah, and, and, and we got, like, so we got all, we got all and every time you go to a station, Habib is in the, in the gas station behind a, behind a big, thick-ass, bulletproof glass getting your dollars. I had to tell a bro, I was in the store, uh, I was in the gas station. I go to get the gas. And the Arabs, they were, I mean, they don't disrespect me. They they can look at me and see I'm I'm not playing I'm not playing the radio with you. You know what I'm saying? They can't say nothing. They they I mean, they give me free shit. They be really respectful to me. I walk in and I'm getting gas and I hear this this brother all up, you know, the, the Arab thing, he black, you know what I'm saying? And he he all buddy buddy with this Arab and everything. And it's a a, a sister. Yeah. You know, we have a hard time finding a good black woman. You know what I'm saying? But the Arab, she all up up with this Arab sitting up talking. And the black man says to her, you know, yeah, you know, um, man, just our personal trip. Man. Am I right? Am I right? Am I right, Omar? And uh, he laughing and shit. Yeah, we all be throwing dollars making it rain. She shake that ass for it, don't she, Omar? And, and, and it really, I really wanted to take out my, my, my full five and blow his motherfucking brains out. This is an ignorant dead ass Negro, so I can't. I can't do what I want to do, so I had to I had to I had to count to ten and do a little wusa, you know what I'm saying? A little qigong meditation, you know what I'm saying? And I said, brother, let me talk to you outside for a minute. I knew not to confront. I said, brother, 
you know, what, what, you know, what are you? He said he a BD. So I mentioned some of the BD leadership that, that I work with. He's black disciple, King David. I'm like, man, bro, don't ever disrespect our black sister. For no Arab, man. Don't do that. And, and he said, I'm Muslim. And that's that's the thing they think that you're saying, that you Muslim. That's some magical thing. That don't mean shit to me. What kind of Muslim are you? Because most of y'all are some Arabized-ass Muslims who are, you know, into this Arab culture so much that you don't recognize that black people got a problem. And you can't take that Holy Quran and, and make it, you know, relate to your struggle right here and right now. Then you might as well take that and set it on fire because it ain't doing you no good. You see what I'm saying? So I, I thought, talk, and I did it in a different manner. I taught, and he understood where I was coming from. But that's a serious problem. You know, when we we don't have jobs, we don't have, make anything. You know, we, you know, it's a, it's a serious problem. If we would just focus on that, we really could get, we really could cure our our conditions overnight. We really could. And uh, that that's a serious problem. I, I think we have to address that. And deal with that, you know, and that that's that's the main issue. So what we have to do right now is, is we have to start formulating a, a plan to say that all form. This is why EDI me got all them got poop all the poopoos together, all them dot head ass Indians got them together. Say y'all got twenty four hours to get up out of Uganda and kick everybody out of Uganda. This is what the brother uh, did down in Zimbabwe. You know what I'm saying? Mugabe. And I understood what he was doing. They made him a villain. Say, so yeah, I mean, he was eating people and all this stuff. It's necessary. It is necessary. And this is what some men, chairman, the national chairman Yanga did in Atlanta. We shut down an Indian. He had never, he respects us to this day on Simpson Road when he was disrespecting. That's how he first met, met myself. You, you see what I'm saying? We have to do that. We have to begin to start doing that. And, I, and I'm saying it to all these pastors, T.D. Jakes, and everybody, we don't want to hear nothing about your Bible if you can't take it and relate to our struggle as black people. All you, all your sweating and hooping and hollering, Reverend Chickenfoot, Pastor Hog Mall, Imam Falafa, I'm just telling you, that shit is outdated. It has to be about the rise of black people. What Marcus Garvey said in the 1920s, a philosophy of race first. Race first. The black race must conquer white supremacy and genocide of support. And everything other than yourself has to be destroyed. Race first. Race first. Race. So I, mean, I hope y'all got some questions, man. I'm, I'm, I'm getting tired of hearing myself talk. So I hope we got some people got some questions. Chairman, let's go. Let's go down. How many we got on the line? Let's, let's, let's make them chime in. Make y'all say something because I want to know what you think about what we're saying. Can we open up the phone lines or uh, take a quick break and play a song or something? Play a revolutionary song, and then that way we can take a quick break and uh, come back. Or can we uh, answer some questions? Well, chairman. Well, chairman. Well, chairman. Let's open open up the phone line.
we're gonna take a quick break. I mean, I, I hope we can play some music. Uh, play some music real quick, and, and and we'll come right back. I'm waiting on the chairman to uh, open up the phone lines or, or play. Take a quick break. Come right back. Are we still are we still are we still on the line? I had to step away from the phone for a minute. So I don't know if we lost um No, you didn't, you didn't lose me. Oh, we we got we got uh, brother Ficoli called my Dumbia on the line. Uh, the the National Minister of Information for Santa Corey African Society on the line. So uh, I I didn't know he was on. We, well, the topic is we're just talking about, you know, uh, unity in the black community. And uh, Brother Ficola, are you on there? Seven can you hear me? Yeah. yeah, can you hear me? Yeah. 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 Um, tell you what Dr. The the, the the great Dr. Colin Muhammad said in order to make way for the peace maker, you gotta kill and get rid of the peace breaker. You know what I'm saying? In our community the, the natural vibrations, the algorithms of everything is just thrown off. There's no harmony, there's no no type of balance in our community. There's no type of balance in the black family. The black family structure is dead. You know why? Because we got Disruptors. We got disruptors that get on TV, that get on the radio, that get in the magazine and tell us how we need to, how we should live, how we should raise our family, how we should be, how we should conduct ourselves as as, as individuals now. And we take advice from, from people that's sick. So where does that leave us? It leaves us in disarray. It leaves our community in disarray. And there are no resources in our community. So when there's no resources in our community, no way to make money, uh, no way, no other outlet to to take your mind off what's going on uh, 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 in your community, we turn on each other. Then there's rival factions, bloods, crips, vice lords, GDs, they're going at each other. Going at each other for what? And we don't even realize that that we're not the ops, we're both enemies. I mean, we're both we're both not enemies. We're both victims of white supremacy. We're both victims of those who caused the the, the imbalance in our community and those who caused disunity and imbalance in our family and our family structure. So, with that being said, we have to take a look at ourselves and we have to take a look. At, at who the real enemy is. Well, when we find out who the real enemy is, 99% of our problems vanish overnight 
if we would just overnight, if we if we would just unite. If we know who our, the enemy is, ain't no more talking about it. You know what I'm saying? In order to get rid of the peace breaker, you got to kill. In order to get rid of the, in order to make way for the peacemaker, you got to kill and get rid of the peace breaker. That's my motto. You know, and that's what I'm saying, Paul. You just, man, you know, you look at what, and that's what I'm saying is really destroying you, man. Not, when you come in Chicago, you don't, you don't, you don't ever see a black business nowhere around. Everything is an Arab. Arab, poo poo, Indian motherfucker. Goddamn Korean. Yes, that's wrong. Only thing, we, only thing you see is black uh, barber, you know, barbers and beauticians in an African trade shop. And, and you know, so you don't you know all the grocery stores owned by Arabs, gas stations owned by Arabs and Indians. The Dunkin' Donuts owned by Arabs. Even the fast place not black. You know what I'm saying? What's black owned? I mean, we consumers. When Elijah Muhammad, Marcus Garvey, they had they had the black businesses because that's what they understood. You know what I'm saying? And in the fastest growing religion in prison is Islam. So you when you meet this Arab, you take your dumb ass in the store. Then you really done done something. Oh. Assalamu alaikum, fuck my tula, buttercup. And you get this, she's like, you just done, you just done said some, you said some magical words or something, and you just, she just is happy, and that ain't doing nothing for your community. Well, 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 my question, well, my question is, well, my question is, if we see the, the people who we do business with, we do business with poo-poo, we do business with the child heads, we do business with, with with Koreans and all that, and they treat us bad. They sell us outdated food and stuff like that. We still deal with them. How how come we can't take some of these vacant lots in our neighborhoods and put our money together and open up our own businesses? Do we hate each other? Do we distrust each other that much? Right. You know that that, that that's you know that's what I have. That's what I'm really saying. And you know that's what we have to do. If we can we can do that. Will be a whole lot better, you know. That's what I'm talking about. Breeze. The only thing that that we control is, is we don't even control that. Only thing that we got, only resource we got, if you go in a gas station, black have that loose square pile. Oh, they got weed. They got loud. They got blows. They got you know. They got crap. You know what I'm saying? That's the only thing we got. You know what I'm saying? And that gives the police, so the police make the so they give you. That has to change. Every neighborhood needs to have a black on, but and, and we just got to ask them to leave. And we ain't got to we ain't got to go blow their shit up and them like that. They just say, listen, don't spend no money over there. Well, that, 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 that you know what, and, and that's true, and that's easier said than done. But our people have such a slave mentality. There may be an African store or a little mom and pop store, but it might be farther down the road. And you tell these Negroes, hey, let's not get it, get this money to Ching Chow or or Poo Poo or Towhead over here. Just but 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 I don't care what you're talking about. I ain't walking way down there to give it to that African store, that mama pop store, just right up the street. But I'd be like, but you still defeating the whole point. You give the money to people that hate you, and go take the money and spend it in their neighborhood, and not gonna spend a damn where 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 it's being spent at. You know, so they're not gonna spend a dime 
where they're getting it from. They're going to take it where they live and take it where white folks live. So you can tell them that it's, that's a good idea. But I doubt it. These the, the Negro mentalities nowadays, I doubt it if they even going to go with it. Let me, let, me, let me explain something to you. For calling you. Let me let me jump in and say this. I saw that uh let me jump in and say this. I saw that Chief of Staff War at one particular time that pushed he's back on. Let me open the phone to our to our chief, our national chief of staff, Brother War. Brother War, your mic is open. All right, Black Power. I just wanted to basically uh try to shed a little bit a little bit of, of, of oversight in regards to some of the things that's being said so that we can kind of label it for what it is. If you look at our condition of, our, of people and if you look at the con- concepts of warfare, during war, what an enemy does or a, a victor does in terms of what has taken place with the European is they domesticate. They domesticate the, the, the ones that they defeat. What has happened to us is we have been domesticated. So let's go back to what domestication means and let's refer back to something that majority of us know when we talk about, like, just say a dog. Okay. What happens when you domesticate an animal or a dog? You take the wildness out of it, or which actually wildness is, is basically just being able to relate and understand your environment and nature. You take, that, you take the nature out of, a, out of an animal or nature out of a person, and you put them in an environment to where everything is handed to them. And when you mm-hmm. do that, you create a condition to where that person no longer can relate to or has a, the identity of knowing their past, and then by not knowing their past, they have no, no sense of presence, and then they have no way to, therefore, pave a future. So if you don't know your past, you don't know where you are now, you can't relate to a past, and then you don't, and you can therefore can't have a vision and have a future. You will be afraid of anything, and subconsciously you would not have any process in place in terms of being able to free yourself. So what happens with a domesticated a domesticated person is they continue to reach out to the one that has put them in that condition for their salvation. And so as a people, we are still under a domesticated process. Give you another example. We talk about, well, yeah, well, why don't we do business with one another and this and that, and why don't we buy black and this? Let's even go back to the concept of those that have reached certain levels of being undomesticated. What levels of African commerce have we developed in the United States? Now, when you say Af- when I say African commerce, I, you got to go back to, well, like when we talk about the great civilizations, infrastructure. If we're not building African-centered infrastructure, then we cannot participate fully in our freedom. So if a black person owns a, a business, that's one thing. But if that business that we own also accommodates, for the most part, the same capitalistic system that's destroying us, then it's only going to go so far. I can own a McDonald's that's a franchise, but that McDonald's that, that serves billions for every little every dime that's being put in my pocket, it is putting $0.90 cent in the European's pocket. So, yeah, I can get fat a little bit off of that, but what am I doing? I'm doing more of a disservice to my people in the meantime, because I am, again, participating in the same thing that continues to keep us domesticated. So when we talk about black business, we, talk, we have to talk about African-centered infrastructural black businesses. 
That means we manufacture our own products. That means we design, we engineer, we build our own products. We're inventors. We have to be able to take things back to the position of us actually having empowerment and creating empowerment. There's only so many detail shops. There's only so many goddamn barbecue shacks. There's only so many car washes. There's only so many of these minor things that don't do anything in terms of freeing us from domestication that can take place. So those of us a lot of times that are talking about being able to even street hustle and do these, these, these small things, those are not creating African-centered infrastructures of empowerment. So we have to go back to the source of what the problem is. If we don't know a past, we can't define our greatness. And we see it all the times in the books, but we can go back to, we can go back to the, what a lot of people like, like to refer to as Kemet and say how powerful we were in building the pyramids. How many motherfuckers around here know how to build a pyramid? We can talk about the greatness of building a pyramid all day long. But how many of us even understand the concept of pot and the wisdom and the infinity of that number in itself? So you, we have to go back to being our great power, the powerful people we were. So that means we have to go back and reverse engineer our own creations and learn again how to be empowered. They can't teach us this. They shouldn't teach us this. We have to teach ourselves this. And talking about the concept of warfare, what you do is you, when you defeat a people, you wipe their history from them. You redefine them and make them your servants. And by doing so, your servants will not know their past again, won't know their past, can't relate to a present, and therefore can't define a future. So we can't define, develop, and defend, as we say as Black, as Black Panthers, if we are not working toward African-centered infrastructural empowerment. All that has to come together. That's, right. That's what black empowerment is. That's where we need to be taking this. So we have to go back to the drawing board in terms of what it means to develop power. What does black power really mean? If we can't define what, what our empowerment is, we can't also identify an enemy. Because our enemy tends to, we tend to turn on ourselves. Because, again, if we're building up their infrastructure and calling that black, uh, black circulating dollars in, amongst each other, then keep in mind, every dime we do in terms of circulating in our own community is empowering them by 90 cents. If we are, again, building off of their capitalistic structure and not creating black empowerment, not black infrastructural empowerment. So we have to divine, define and develop and then go across and defend what it means to actually have our own infrastructure. So the People's Black Panther Party is about trying to put ourselves back in the position, let me not even say trying, putting ourselves back in the position of what empowerment means. Getting our people to see true empowerment. It's going to take us to be visionaries to do that because we have to go way back in our memory banks, way back in our memory banks and realize our greatness. And once we realize that greatness that we talk about all the time and our different historians and griots talk about, now we got to say, okay, well, how did we do this? How did we do this? And let's redo it. That's empowerment. That's going to take hard work, and it's a long, hard road. And it takes strong intellectuals, strong developers, and, and, and sweat and blood to get us to that position. That's why the average black man who thinks that they want to own a business or start a business or, or, or 
or talk about, well, how can we do business with one another, finds themselves running in circles or, running, or, or acting like basically being a chicken with his head cut off. It's the same thing because we're not still building black infrastructural empowerment. We're just building black dollars that are funded or circulated or controlled through Europeans. It's a big difference. There are a lot of black millionaires and billionaires in this country, but they are, they are still whitewashed. They are still contributing. Every, every one of those millions that they got, they probably they making somebody else, an elitist, billions. And so, therefore, you are still aiding in your own destruction when you go about that way because that's not building infrastructure. That's and right. that's what we have to take. Let's, let's, that's right. Let's, let's, try let's go to our phone line. Okay. Uh, let's go to our phone lines one more time, man. We have somebody that's been on hold for a minute. They may want to add to this and uh, get a deeper. 214-8068. Your mic is open. Yes, Yanga. Yanga, can you hear me? I, I can hear you. This is the Kalika Baruti Shakur. How are you? I'm well, thank you for asking. How about you? I'm doing good. Uh, I, I listen to the show uh, whenever I get a chance on Monday. But today, my heart is heavy. My heart is heavy because you said that that was Brother War speaking? Yes. Brother War, can you hear me? Yes, I can hear you, sister. This is Angel in Dallas. Oh, hey, Sister Angel. Hey, I miss you so much. I can't believe I, I'm hearing your voice, like, like for real. I, I, I think about you all the time, and I'm so happy to hear you. Like, I'm all literally right, in tears. I miss right. you a lot. Okay, Sister, we'll build. What, what, what's going on? Make sure you, we uh. We we keep in touch off this line, but what's up? No, you just take my number down. All right, let's. Okay, uh, I text it. I text it to you, War. Okay. All right, yeah, I so appreciate. I don't want you give it out. All right. Yeah, sir. I don't want to give it out over the line, so I I'll make sure that uh, Chief War has it. And 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 I want to you know build on. I'm sorry, sister. Did you want to add a comment or opinion to what what War had said or to what uh Josh had said? No, I'm good. I'm just a little bit overwhelmed. I'm, I'm okay, but uh, I'm just listening. Okay. Okay. Um, and, and just to add to, like, what War is saying, and which is, which is I, I state, you know, our sentiment at the People's Black Panther Party exactly, is that it has to be, I love how he touched on black capitalism. To buy black is no longer sufficient for the African community here in America. If they're still perpetrating or still, implementing the same system that has oppressed us, the same system that has built this racist country, you know what I'm saying, then it's just, it's a, it's a fact that it's just neocolonialism. It's just black faces in white places. That these, that when we spend our dollars with these black communities, we have to have a pledge or some type of insurance, assurance that they're going to give back to the community, that they're going to do things, that they're going to do things that benefit us as as a people, you know, and that's and that's what's going on. And and the things that we teach, one of the reasons that this European has had so much input and that this European has so much influence on us is because they contribute to our day to day life. The Arabs with the Islam, they contribute to our day to day life. 
when we look at these programs, even when you look at their missionary work in Africa, you know, our people aren't just a lot in a lot of instances and cases, aren't just accepting Jesus on the mere fact that they believe he's their savior, but Jesus come with a Jesus come with a bowl of rice. Jesus over here in America for our homeless people and our hungry people. Jesus comes with shelter. Jesus comes with food. Jesus comes with uh, sustenance. So until we as revolutionaries start to tie our Afrocentrism, like um, the brother was saying, that our African centered thinking is tied to our everyday existence in our relationship, how we have better relationships with our wives how would they able us to have better budgets and to control our money, how our neighborhoods would start to become better neighborhoods based on our Afrocentric thinking, then to a lot of our masses of people, it'll just be like the rhetoric that everyone else is out there spitting. And this is what separates the People's Black Panther Party from a lot of groups. You know, I think that a lot of people, whether consciously or subconsciously, know who their enemy is and have some inkling to the history or to the atrocities that brought us to the shores of America. They at least fumble around with that. But they want to know, the masses want to know, how am I changing my way of thinking, how I'm changing my behavior will affect me directly in bettering my condition. And I think that this is where the real work of the revolutionary comes in. You see, you've heard me say before what I did, Brother Ewing, and what we call the third development, and some people call the original Panther Party. It wasn't the grits. When they said, Diego Hoover said grits was the most dangerous thing that the Panthers had or grits was the dangerous thing to America, it wasn't the grits. It wasn't to feed the breakfast program. It wasn't to feed because they were feeding the babies or they were feeding the families or they were testing for sickle cell anemia. It wasn't that. It was the ideology of self-sufficiency and self-determination. They show us, and by them showing us, America, the, the powers that be saw it, they showed us what African communalism, what collectivism looks like. They showed those networking, when they were getting that food and stuff for those programs, that was community-sponsored and community-based. People donated those food stuffs. Businesses donated those food stuffs. So they showed them, when they said all power to the people, they actually showed the people how they could be empowered by working together, by shaking the shackles of materialism off of them. You see, even in our Afrocentricity, that has become capitalized. I remember when Kwanzaa, I was taught during Kwanzaa, for those people that celebrate the Kwanzaa or whatever, that Kwanzaa, you made gifts. Now Kwanzaa has become commercial. When you go into these African stores, for an African statue or some African garb, it's the most expensive. It costs almost more than designer things cost. When you go into these health stores, like we have a um, a health restaurant in Atlanta that sell kale wraps. Now, I personally don't eat kale wraps, but sell kale wraps. A kale wrap for $14. Outrageous, astronomical prices for so-called healthy you see, because we've adopted a capitalist mindset. So the people want to know, like my mother always tell me, no one knows, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. So until we start showing them where this thinking like this will better us as a people, the people won't embrace it. The people won't embrace it as rhetoric. 
it'll just be to them another religion or another cult, another fad or something that they're going to. Let's go to our phone lines because our phone lines are blowing up. It's uh, area code 915. What's that last digit? 9145. Your mic is open. Uh, good evening, Chairman Yanga. This is Kim. How are you? Good evening, Kim. Long time no talk to. Yes, I try to make it, but uh, half the time I'm working. Um, hey. Fantastic uh, conversation. Um, and as you know, uh, in my area, I'm trying to pull our black businesses together. And I can say, you know, during the time, uh, it's been a two-year process, I found that our own people hustle our own people. Um, there's a rich history that's not even discussed. And, and, and very few know about it. Um, a lot of cliques in our black community, um, basically the same people um, attending certain events and keeping other things quiet so other people don't attend. It's weird. Um, there's a young a mindset with our, our youth here that doesn't believe we exist as far as black businesses are concerned. Uh, and then some of the black businesses will utilize the local faith so that they can make money because if they show that they are a black owned business if they want a black owned business they may not be frequented so these are are really important and, and I agree with you know what's been said that it's going to take uh, creative creativity and some real thinking to pull this all together um, and as you know I started out asking these questions, couldn't figure out how come um, as blacks in a community where we only make up 5%, uh, so they said, which I I disagree with. Um, I also found that when we do local votes, our votes don't count because we're considered insignificant. In my mind, I could have taken it as, oh, that's messed up, but in my mind, that was perfect because that means that we can gather under the radar because we're insignificant. And by the time they realize what we're doing, it'll be too late. We'll, we'll be good to go. That's sort of how I'm seeing it. It's what, like an opportunity that's been handed to us. And so in, in walking around and talking to these businesses, uh, I found that they are very willing to come together. It's just they were waiting for someone who wasn't in the clique to do it. Um, and I think that's one of the things that we as blacks have an issue with is we always waiting for someone else to do it. And we got to stop doing that. However, that's going to, that's a whole nother conversation. And so I took the task on and in talking with these black owned businesses, they have ideas. They would like to be able to purchase from one another. I found CPAs, um, tax consultants. I found construction companies. Um, I found electricians. I found plumbers. Um, I found handyman, hand, handyman and women. I found car dealerships. Uh, I found uh, computer repair. Uh, I found quite a few of people that I did not expect. And in my head, I'm like, wow, we've, we've got the start. Now, they may not own the raw material, however, but the black hands touch it. And it's been very interesting because um, several are aware that I am doing the directory. I'm actually in my second year of printing. 
uh, and they call and ask, hey, do you have someone who's a handy person or an electrician or a plumber, and I can refer. So I'm starting to see a lot more black integration. I'm seeing the older folks who are really set in their ways. They don't even want to hear anything about being black. I'm old. I ain't got time for that. They're asking, do you have a handy person who's black? So while it's not a whole infrastructure, I'm encouraging even those small steps because that's we got we got to start somewhere. We can't start, you know, at the top and expect to go higher. Um, I'm taking basically my community and listening to what their fears are because there are a lot of fears. Um, I'm a fresh face, although I've been here almost twenty something years. Um, I don't belong to any cliques, and it's just a matter of of meeting them where they're at. And coming together. So what I'm starting to hear talks of um, opening up a credit union just for us. There was one here 25 years ago. Um, We had our own manufacturing plant 25 years ago. They're trying to do this again, and I applaud that. Um, They don't have a chamber of commerce, black one, uh, and so that's my next move. Um, They don't have a mentoring program, that's my other move, because they're willing to take on youth and sort of grow their own concept, which is always a good thing as far as I'm concerned. Um, They want the youth to see that they do exist and that we'll spend our money. The other thing, it's interesting that you mentioned, you know, Africa, I really um, uh, hooked up with several of uh, African counterparts in, in Nigeria and Laos and, and Ethiopia and, and areas like that. And while it's small, um, I'm getting ready to do a trading of art, um, whether it be paintings, sculptures, uh, the djembes and, and, and all the rest, the clothing, because I've had people, you know, they like the art that I have, and I'll post it on Facebook every so often, and there's been a cry that they want something from the motherland. So today it may be art, tomorrow who knows what it will be, but I'm looking at it as a small step to making, you know, bridging them, uh, the African side of us, to us here in America uh, and trying to encourage other people to do the same. Uh, I was always taught, you know, people say uh, one person can't move a mountain. I was taught, yes, you can, it's just one stone at a time, you know, so – that's the mindset, and like I said, I'm, I'm glad this topic is brought up. Um, I'm working more from the mud root level, not necessarily grass. I'm still floating around here right in the mud. And, right on. Um, <laughs> I don't mind getting dirty. I really don't. Uh, and it's just watching. This is this is two years in the making. Just watching them, hey, you know, Kim, uh, do you have this person? Do you have that person? My son needs a job. Hold up. I think somebody I, I know that has a business that needs some people to work for um, just hooked up with the Black Student Union. And now several of the, the, the restaurants and clothing stores, um, the photography, we have medical people um, that don't mind mentoring. So I've got some of the medical students who are going to shadow our doctors, um, our specialty doctors. Uh, I've got some people interested in photography, so they're going to hook up with the photographers here that are black. Um, folks that have small businesses, they got summer jobs. I mean, 
I'm trying to just network and, 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 and close that synapse so that we're all connecting and things are moving. And I think when stuff like that starts to happen, there's more confidence in our blackness. It's almost like people are afraid to be black. I want them to be confident in our blackness. Because I think once they're confident in that, then we'll start seeing that infrastructure grow. We'll start seeing, hey, let me work with this person. I have a, a, a young CPA. She just finished all her work. She's like, I'll put together some classes to help the businesses with their taxes or how to better maximize their profit without, you know, killing the consumer, you know, at the price tag. So I'm going to be working with her to set up some classes like that for your charge, you know, and, and have the, the businesses just come and in, in, intermingle and talk and, you know, introduce the students to this person and that person. So it has to start somewhere. But like I said, I'm, I'm still in the mud, and I, I don't mind playing in the mud. I didn't mind as a kid. I don't mind it now as an adult. But just to say that um, it, it, it's, it's working slowly. I got contacted from a, a gentleman. I think he's in Houston, Texas. He wants to do the same, and I spoke to a young lady in California. She's trying to do the same. And I'm just like, wow. You know, so far, you know, we're in different cities. But imagine if these concepts, you know, um, enlarge. And now I'm, I'm hearing, oh, we want to do a bank. You know, we want to have our own banking system. And I'm smiling. We have our own daycares. We're starting to get, they're trying to get a black-owned hair shop. And I'm like, oh, here we go. And I'm loving it. Like I said, it may not be this huge infrastructure, but we've got to start somewhere. I can foresee an infrastructure coming, you know, and, and, and that's basically what I wanted, to, you know, to kind of contribute to the conversation um, is that it can be done. And there's some of us out here talking to one another, trying to figure it out. You know, we've got folks who are truckers and how can we get, we're in abundance of fruit and fresh vegetables can we use that black-owned trucker, trucking company to ship fruit here and there? So we are all thinking it's just, you know, we're being creative, trying to be out of the box because we're everywhere, and we sort of need to um, make ourselves grow um, and, and understanding what happened to Black Wall Street. Let's do it a different way where they can't just bomb us all. We just have this this network that's all over the place, you know, so you can't tear us down because we're building a real strong foundation. We're not, we've learned from that. So we're not going to let you come in and tear that down. And it's going to have, you know, black and African written all over it by the time we're done. And it may not happen during my lifetime, but I'm making sure that my seeds are seeing it too. And, and they're doing, you know, the same. And those that, are mentored, are mentored, they carry it on. We've got black attorneys who are trying to jump in the mix to help them file paperwork right. It's just a matter, there's a lot of moving parts, and sometimes it just takes that one person. I wish I wasn't doing it by myself because it is exhausting, but, you know, I see the vision. I can see it um, developing in the horizon, and that's enough for me. I mean, if I can get more to come my way and help me out with it, great. If I have to chug along by myself, okay. Not real happy about that, but I'm going to do it. And and that's primarily what I wanted to contribute to the conversation. Black Power.
or black power. That's listen. I agree um, wholeheartedly with that, and I think that that's some good stuff that you. I think that that's some good stuff that you're working on. You know, and that's what's needed, man. When we talk about, I like what you said because that's what I call myself mud, the mud movement. Mud. You know, starting at the <laughs> yeah. starting at the very core and getting our people involved, and that's the ticket. Getting us involved in self determination. Master Sanjata, are you still on? Are you on the line? I see that your mic is open. Let me see if he's on. Chief, are you there? Yeah, yeah. yeah I'm here. Okay. I was just saying, I, what the sister was saying, I, I don't know if she knows. I'm uh, the National Minister of Culture and the founder of Sankori African Society and, well, the founder of the Almighty Vice Lord Society. Uh, I, I love what she was saying. I think this is a role model for uh, African women and our, our young sisters need to meet sisters like yourself, you know, and and, mm. and, and put so I think it's a beautiful job she's doing. Also, what Wall was saying, the infrastructure, and, and that's what I was saying about the anger, is we just get angry at the condition we're in, and we think that the efforts we're making, you know, it's not making a big enough impact. But we, we were de- dehumanized for 400 years. And then when we made efforts, you know, to, to as Sister was saying, to tear out a mountain a brick at a time, you had the COINTELPRO and FBI who destroyed those black organizations. Marcus Garvey was not deported on a whim. It was a strategic movement that was used to get Marcus Garvey out the way. You see what I'm saying? So um, that is very important. So we have to begin to understand that it's just not going to happen overnight. It's going to take a conscious effort and patience and unconditional love to get out of this condition. You know what I'm saying? So what, what, what War was saying about Infrastructure is very important, very important. But we got, like Sister was saying, we got to start somewhere. And I was thinking with that, you know, like I'm going to have a meeting here in, in my community uh, coming up in a couple of weeks, and they're talking about the killing. What I want all the black women to do is, to, since you're going to, to Mr. Kim's store, what products are you buying, and how can we begin to get those products and sell them to our own women? You know, women buy from themselves and take that dollar and put it in our community. That's one of the things I want to, you know, implore them to try to do. Um, everybody like eating, you know, the, the gyros and all that stuff. Why we can't have a little restaurant that employs a young man out the community, you know, get the little GD off the, off the block, the little BD off the block, or vice off the block, give him a job, you know what I'm saying, so now he can, you know, he thinks differently. He can have pride when it's his. You see what I'm saying? And he won't be so angry. And then we got, and, 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 and you know how uh, the white man has a, a saying, Uncle Sam wants you, or Mama Africa wants you. And we got to stand on these, on, these, on these singers and dancers and these rappers to stop putting that poison out there of capitalism. You know, I remember T.I., and I'm going to let my brother minister say something. I remember T.I. Um, went to... Uh, a young man's rescue who was going to jump off a building. And the young man didn't have anything, and he was wanted to commit suicide. And T.I. saved him, you know, and, I, and I'm proud of T.I. He's in roots. He's, he's, you know, beginning to get conscious. But the image he put out there, T.I., you can have whatever you like, stacks on deck, telling broke jokers to be quiet. Well, that's a fantasy life for, you know, the average black man. And so when he can't measure up to that, 
you see what I'm saying, then he feels like he's less than a man. That's a serious problem. We got to, you know, re-educate our sisters because, you know, a woman, when she meet you today, you know, if you ain't got no money, they get out their face. I need my hair done. I need my nails. I was riding with two young teenagers yesterday. One was 17. I think the other one was like 19. And they were saying her father gave her $300. And she said, that's nothing. She's like, all I can get with that is like a out, you know, like a pair of shoes, or this and that. And so, you know, that capitalism, you know, makes us other than ourselves. And I said, well, sister, the reason why is because you want to go out and make white folks rich. You see what I'm saying? We got to really do a lot of re-education. And we're and we in, we in dietary. They want to stop the killing. And the entertainers, Beyonce, Jay-Z, they got to be told, you got to clean your act up. You got to, And I guarantee you, if our entertainers, if our preachers, if we all would come together, man, you will see major progress within less than one year. Major progress. You see what I'm saying? They put out something different on, on the radio. You know what I'm saying? But I got our minister, I know, and a brother for Coley, I know he wants to jump in too. So minister's on the line, Minister uh, Malik Muhammad. Minister, you want to add something to this conversation real quick? Or take your time. Minister Malik? Minister. Hello? Yeah, yeah, we're here. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. I, I, I would like to add something to that. You know, um, you were speaking earlier about the, the cultural, you know, aspect in building. I think it's, it's, it's really like programs that I came out with, community-based social reform program. And I want to focus on that, community-based social reform program. I think that was the same group the Black Panthers Hey, started. Your, phone, your phone is fading in and out. Can you uh, adjust your line or, or if you got us on speaker? Because it's like you're fading in and out. Yeah. Okay. Can you hear me good now? Yeah, go ahead. Uh huh. Okay. Uh, just like, you know, what the Black Panther started, you know, when they originally came, it was a community based social reform program to reform the ills of the community. And it was focused on black and Afrocentric, and it was dealing with us as a people because we were in a condition to where something had to change. Because we saw the oppression, we saw the the, the 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 destruction of a people. We saw what was happening with the drugs and the dysfunctions within the community and what was happening. So something had to come to really just stop that. And that's where we're at now. And you were talking earlier about, you know, it, it not being dealing with the Arabs and, and the the foreigners, but accountability has to be placed within the structure of our community. If churches, pastors, their congregations, if you exist within a community, yet the community looks worse than the church does, and all the money that churches church is receiving, none of it is going back in the community, then those churches within the community those structures within the community, they're supposed to be pillars. They need to be held accountable for neglecting community relations, community issues, community programs. If you're not focusing on the community, why good? Why is it good for you to be within the community? What good is it for you to have a church within the community that you, you don't support? 
I think there's there's a disconnect with that because we've allowed our churches to be separate from the community now. We we've allowed all of that to become a division, and where it used to be that the church had a lot to do with what went on in the community. So we have to get past the religious aspect and go accountability. Everybody needs to be held accountable for their part. And that's just my take on it. Did you hear me? I hear you, brother. That's definitely, you know, what you're saying is great. Um, brother Fakoli, Kormai Dumbia, our national organization uh, for Sankori African Society. Brother Fakoli, you know, because we, we had got to hear you for a few minutes. It's that 261 number. Uh, go ahead and, and take, you know, take the reins for a minute, man. I, I know you got some profound. You like that. He has a show every uh, Sunday. He did, you know, he's been doing some real shows. And I want to tell you how proud I am because I, I've watched him grow. You know, he's been doing a lot of tribute to black women. And, I mean, this brother here back, you know, 10 years ago was hard on the sister. <laughs> but, man, he's mm. been, he, did, he did something about hidden figures. He did he did something about um, uh, Cuban. Uh, I, I'd like him to tell you, three shows he's been doing tribute to black women. I'm just proud of him. You know? uh, Cecilia Cruz, he's been doing a lot of stuff, you know. Uh, Fakoli, are you there? No, for goalie, um, for goalie, for goalie, they got some other things to do. Okay, okay, all right. So, for goalie, but I, you know, the, the comment on what Minister Malik said, he's absolutely right, and that's what it all boils down to. You know, when we talk about getting anything done, it's going to start with having programs that indoctrinate the masses of the people. Key phrase of what, like the brother was talking about when we talk about the third development Panthers, when we talk about the Panthers of the old, was all powers to the people. It was about empowering the people. And somewhere down the line, in my thing, a lot of times I blame the so called social media. You don't understand that we've gotten into the age of, we went from the age of consumerism to, can you hear me? From the age of uh, consumerism and materialism to sensationalism. We become YouTube scholars, Facebook scholars, overnight sensations. We love the accolades. We love to see our posts posted and reposted and liked and shared and all of these things. And really, and it's my opinion, of course, that we have lost the focus of what it is all about, and that is empowering and advancing us as African people. And how can we accomplish those things? It's not about we've gotten so entertainment. And this is when we were talking about obstacles to unity. To me, there again, this is one of the obstacles. You know, I know we were talking about Islam, and I know your sentiment on Islam, but I have to quote some things from the Quran. And one of the verses in the Quran, it said, you didn't differ about a thing until knowledge came to you. So now that we have this access and we're in this so-called information age and we have all this easy access to knowledge, we are ready to debate anyone who disagrees with us. We're ready to debate, to attack with these facts and these few books that we done read, and we're ready to go on the warpath. And we find it easier to harbor on the things that are divisive and cause this um, undue and unnecessary division than to work on the things that would bring that we have a commonality on. This is what community is, common unity. What are the things that we can agree on? You see, when this police pulls us over and yanks us out of the car, he doesn't say, as alaykum, and shoot. He doesn't say, Jesus wept. 
and shoot. He doesn't say shalom or hotep or hawabupa, any of that, when he murders us. He says nick. This is what he calls us. He says nick. When we're economically exploited, when, when, when we're socially and culturally living in, the, in, in um, uh, less than humane conditions, it doesn't matter your theology. It doesn't matter how much you have in your head if it isn't implemented into everyday practical solutions to alleviate the burden of these situations that we've been placed in. If it doesn't alleviate that, then it's not anything. It goes back to like what Sister Kim said. We have to go back to practical solutions. The age of rhetoric, the age of sensationalism, I will be so glad when this age passes because it hasn't gotten us anywhere. We have had some of the, if speaking would have gotten us there, we'd have been free a long time ago. We've had some of the most prolific speakers, from Malcolm to Martin, Daddy to Father Devon, you name them, Farrakhan, very prolific, very profound, articulate black man. But speaking has not alleviated the struggle of the masses of people. It will only be us doing for so, us understanding that this is not an option, that we don't have a choice, that not to do for ourselves and not to uh, propagate our race, not to fight for the continuation of our race, and not just in the physical. See, they're not going to destroy the African man and woman physically. Like they said, man, you can't destroy, you can't stomp blackout, one drop of black blood. But they would destroy the African man and woman through their ideology and through a healthy sense and a proper identity. This is how they're going to destroy us. And until we create programs that foster that, so we create programs that encourage this African, uh, this African uh, pride and work. Then we're gonna be we're gonna be like I always say, leaves in the wind, blowing to and fro. So these are some of the things that we have to look at. So what are we doing to address those issues? I go back again to something as simple as you've heard me say time and time again: Saturday Liberation Schools to start deprogramming the programming that our children go through five days a week, hours a day. Something as simple as having a school that teaches them who they are, their role, and it serves the dual purpose of quite possibly feeding these children who only who don't, if school is an end, only eat one time a day, if that. This is what time it is with us brothers and sisters. Everything we do now needs to be a calculated step towards advancement and empowerment. The time for a debate, and I love Chief, and I hear what Chief Chief is right and exact on a lot of instances, identifying with an Arab coach has taken us farther away from our African understanding. It has definitely done that. But until we can replace that, why do they do that? Because we haven't seen a strong, powerful African culture that addresses these issues. We haven't seen an African culture that is applicable to the African man and woman here in America who has been influenced by Americanism. We can't deny it. We can't deny it. 
our everyday waking up, when we turn on the television, when we turn on the radio, when we ride down the street, you're constantly being bombarded by Americanism. So we have to start to learn, this is why I'm an Nkrumahist. This is why I'm a scientific socialist. Because Dr. Kwame Nkrumah said that scientific socialism is taking in consideration the historical and material dialectic, meaning that we're taking the history of black people, our history in Africa and our history in the Maafa, the transatlantic slave trade, that we're taking the material dialectic, the materials that we once possessed and how we spent in that economic system and the materials and the resources that are now in our grasp now. All of these have to be taken in consideration. And a real solution has to be handed to us. It's not sufficient for us just to mimic our African brothers and sisters in language and in dress without an African thought process. And taking in consideration that that thought process is going to have a hint of Westernism in it. So then now you have to start to distinguish the two and not throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have to be mindful, and she may get mad at me at some of these things I'm about to say now. We have to be mindful of the African culture we accept because those Negroes have been colonized. Them niggas are colonized. So we have to be careful of the African, of what we accept from our African brothers and sisters and from the continent of Africa. This is what we have to, this is what we have to do. Chief Ward, the floor is open to you, brother, in our last 10 minutes. All right. I just wanted to say real quick, and uh, I'm going to be brief. I just want to throw this out there. There is a difference between having an answer and having a solution. And where we are today is those of us that are able, willing, and can work on the solutions have to be allowed to be to operate in our lane. And so going back to how the floor was opened up on this conference called in terms of unification of the in unity, working amongst unity with the different panther formations, we need to come together and focus on not answers, but solutions. So the position is let's work together and work on the solutions that will bring us where we need to be to create empowerment. We've had enough answers. I'm sick of answers. Let's have solutions. Black Power. Black Power. Yes, sir. And uh, Brother Chairman. Yes, sir. Yeah, I'm I'm not um in disagreement with anything you said about, you know, uh Africa because no question Africa's been colonized. No question even with some of our traditional African religions is just as bad as Christianity because if you look at let's take for instance some of the Babalows when you go to get things done, you know, over on eat three hundred dollars and all that stuff and it's capitalism based and all this stuff, you know, it's it's a lot of foolishness involved in that. So when we talk about Africa, we're not talking about just a person being in Africa. That African has to understand, one, his brothers and sister in America and throughout the diaspora are his people. He has to understand 
the importance of unification. And three, he has to understand that this white supremacist system is his enemy. If he don't understand that, you just you, you might as well just talk to Poo Poo, I mean Pookie or Man Man here on Sixty Third and Cottage Grove. It's the same. It's the same thing. And then our African brothers come to America, and they don't they don't come to America. This is what my critique with them is. They don't come to America to reach out, you know, for our brothers and sisters here. That's not the intent. The intent is to capitalize off this capitalist system. And and like any like like the Indian, like like Poo Poo, like you know, like Habib, they come here and they, they place a hair hair braiding business in here and they and they come in and they, they'll turn their nose up on their brothers been in the condition they're in. That has to stop. That has to stop. So, you know, I, I definitely when I talk about Africa, I'm not talking about what you see Africa to be today. I'm talking about Africa what it should be. Because if Africa was what it should be, there's no way that the white man or Arabs could have came in and did what they did to us. We didn't value us. You see what I'm saying? If you give, if you give a, it's like let me get this last equation. I'm done. If you give a baby a uh, hundred dollar bill, that baby don't value. Okay, it's a hundred dollars. I could, you know, things I could do with this. He'll rip it up, bite on it, chew it up. We didn't value who we are and how important we are. And that's why the Arab can come in and make you emulate him. This is why the white man can come in and make you be other than yourself. We don't value how powerful we are and know who we are. I want to thank our brother Ward, very, very profound uh, brother, man. You know, very, If he took his ideas and we utilize it, we'll get free overnight uh, from the brother Yanga and the brother Malik. We just want to thank you on behalf of the People's Black Panther Party for joining us today on our radio show, Sister Kim. Uh, wonderful words. All of us, you know, uh, we really can get something done. We, now we got to take what, like Dr. Ward just said, take what we just, what we, what we, you know, ideas, and let's make solutions to our problems. And we'll be free overnight. Black power, uh, one family, one village, one nation, almighty, all that good stuff to the people. A great show. Absolutely. And, and we want to thank you, Master Sanjata, for coming on. I know that your time is definitely busy, and I and I share sentiments. I want to thank everyone that comes on. Check out our brother, Fakoli Dumbi, a minister of information, Sequoia African Study Circle. His shows come on Sunday, Study Society, I'm sorry, which I am a proud member of myself, giving us back our African culture, helping us to regain that moral compass founded and based on an African central thinking that so that we can have be a right minded thinking people. Um when 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 is when is this show again, Massa? Uh Sundays at three o'clock. Sundays at three o'clock. Uh uh-huh. and I wish I had the number but check the Facebook. So I'll start reposting your saying you can check me out at Yanga and Kruma yeah, on I, Facebook. I, I can, I can, I, I can give you a number. Just hold one. So I'll give you Shoot the number. number out there real quick. Yeah, give me one second. I'll give it to you. Okay. Yeah. Um, definitely a, a very enlightening, a very enlightening show. A very educated brother, brother, and I go way back. So we want to check this out. Check out San Corey African Society, which is our cultural program, our culture division of the People's Black Panther Party. But we understand that every revolution has to be founded. The end game of a revolution is to one of the 
primary parts of a revolution is to reestablish a people's culture. To reestablish a people's culture. If you don't believe me, study revolution. I'm a student of revolution. We see it in every revolution that has transpired from the Cuban Revolution to the Chinese Revolution. That one of the main elements and aspects of those revolutions were to regain that culture. Do you have that number, Master? Yeah, it's uh, area code 516-387-1894. That's area code 516-387-1894. It's it's, it's part of the African Lion radio show, which is uh, named after the uh, late, great uh, Bobby Gore, uh, who put an African lion in what's called the Holy City Lawndale in Chicago. And it's a tribute to him, that radio network. So uh, you can hear our brother Fakoli Koromadumbia, uh, Minister of Information, Sankori African Society. Um, and then uh, my show, uh, we, we, we alternate uh, between the, um, myself and him. And then uh, if he does a show or topic, I may come on at 5 o'clock uh, with the African Lion. And we, we addressed, this week we're addressing um, the redemption of black grass root, I should say mud group out there, Sister Kim, the yeah. mud root and street organizations, the redemption of those organizations. And we're just saying basically if America uh We wanna check can we get, wanna check that out. I'm sorry for cutting yeah, you off I got like a minute. Okay, know? okay. So we yeah, definitely wanna so I just cutting you off to give um to give because we have a minute to go on the close show. Check out the show I'm sure the brother will be back on. We'll be on the brother show. So check out, check out Sankoi African Society. Uh, for those that are interested in um, the people's Black Panther Party, we can be reached. We can be emailed at the people's Black Panther Party, gmail.com. Again, that's people's Black Panther Party, gmail.com. Your participation in the struggle is needed. If it isn't this organization, please join a progressive organization. Unite. Fight for your people. Do what you have to do. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Kruma. I want to thank everyone for coming on. It's your brother, Chairman Yang and Kruma, People's Black Panther Party. I leave you as I greet you. All powers to oppress people, African power to an African people, and black power. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.